good to see everybody up and rescued too. I believe the Lord was with us there. Brother seemed blessed. I was blessed. Clay brought a wonderful message. And, uh, we talked a lot about a second one, and I got listened to it on the way home. And it was real hard to pay attention to our reception, I think. Maybe it was 80 miles an hour to do that. <laughs> I was trying to slow down so I could hear better. But uh, it was it was wonderful, and I told him, I said, you bring either one of those Tuesday if you like. I'd be just fine with me. Uh, Brother Bob ain't with us this morning. Uh, Vicky had her surgery, and she, but she got to go home Friday, and uh, she's needing a little more attention than what they had expected, but she seems to be doing well, so hopefully he'll be with us Tuesday. And then uh, some of y'all know Bill Silva up in Rescue. He runs a, the audio uh, stuff for him, audio-visual and uh, been a faithful man there for a long time. I have wonderful news. Uh, he uh, will be with the Lord <laughs> today. Probably is already. He had a wreck on the way to services went, uh, Friday. Uh, and they think he, he had a heart attack or something and then fell off his motorcycle. But he was riding his motorcycle, wind in his hair, made him happy on, a, on the way to, to hear a word about his Redeemer. And he saw his Redeemer. That's precious, isn't it? That's precious. They got him on life support now. But they said there's no brain activity. And to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord if you're His. And He loved a person. So I'm thankful for that. That's good news. The Lord does not save someone and them not know that they need saving. That they're kind of bad. That they need help. Or they might need a little flotation device in this thing. If if he saved them, they know that they are saved from something. There's no confusion, and they don't forget it. They don't rise above. That's why Rahab the harlot, Simon, Peter, <laughs> Lord kept them right where he wanted them. Here in Genesis 18, we're going to see a a story. A story of judgment, of sin, and of intercession. Genesis 18. Oh, you're all right. Come on in. I like stand-up comedy. And there's a fellow one time, they got up to go to the restroom in the middle of it. And they said, go, go ahead, we'll wait. And everybody kind of chuckled. Well, about three and a half minutes later, and he was just <laughs> looking. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know whether to laugh or not. I thought that was hilarious. That was good. Uh, welcome. Uh, Genesis 18 That's where we'll be. Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram, Abraham the thing which I do? I do. It's not the thing that he did. It's not the thing he's, he's going to do in the future. It's what he is doing. What he is doing. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Is he going to hide this thing that he does, that he's doing? From Abraham? What things? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Judgment. Judgment. 
intercession. And that's not hid, hid from Him. It's not hid from us because He raises it up in Abraham's heart to intercede for this judgment. It's not hid to Him. It's revealed in Him. That's the sweet stuff. That's the good stuff. I'm going to give it all to you up front. <laughs> Judgment's coming. And inside the heart of a believer, the Lord does a work. And they require mediation. They need a substitute. They need a redeemer. And they cry that for others. They do that. And the Lord said, For I know him, and he will command his children and his household after him. I intend to do that. I want to do that. I want to pray as Abraham prays in this text. And I might and I might not. People say, oh, I want to come to church with you. You might, you might not. <laughs> maybe you will, maybe you won't. The Lord says, I know him. He will. Now, can he declare what's going to happen? You bet. How so? He makes it happen. Doesn't he? If they're faithful, they're made faithful. And, and I hope he gives us enough good sense to ask him to make us faithful. Because we ain't. <laughs> I ain't. I pray the Lord makes me diligent because I'm lazy. I pray it gives me faith because I feel like I'm full of unbelief. I pray it gives me a message because I ain't got enough good sense to ask him for one. He said, I know him. He will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. This ain't going to depart from them. This ain't going to be just, just cheesecake and, and balloons and a birthday party all the time. There's going to be justice and there's going to be judgment. Those will go hand in hand. And the Lord, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, if not, I will know. The Lord speaks in a way you and I can understand. He became a man like us. He speaks to us like us so we can understand. Does that mean that he, he's not down there knowing what's going on? Is he going to find out and he don't know which way it is? Of course not. Of course not. He's saying those balances are going to come in. They're going to be weighed in the balances. I'm going to have justice and judgment. That's what's going to happen. Well, that has to be a time for that. He's going to do justice and judgment at the appointed time. This is going to happen physically for Sodom and Gomorrah, but for every one of us, there's an appointed time you're going to meet your maker. He knows what he will do. He doesn't need to physically go down there to Sodom and Gomorrah to gather information. He knows all things, but he gives us a picture. God looks upon sin. He will visit it and it will be dealt with. Don't think for a moment that because a sin goes unpunished, it's been forgotten. It will be dealt with. It will be. We can hide our heads in the sand like ostriches and act like stuff never happened. I was thinking of Joseph and his brothers. Seventeen years between them throwing him in the pit, throwing blood on that coat of many colors, selling him off into slavery until they're starving to death, coming down to Egypt for corn. They're bowed down in front of this fellow that's the boss. He's got different clothes on now. He's grew a beard. He's got, he's got some wrinkles. He got some wrinkles over 17 years. Especially serving the Lord will wear you out. He'll look different. Do you think in their minds, they're like, man, now this could be our brother. You think they're thinking that? Oh, like a thief in the night he met him, didn't he? 
He revealed himself to them. Their sin was revealed. It was there. It was just covered up. Oh, he revealed it. The sins of Sodom went on for years and years and years and decades. Living it up. And the Lord dealt with it. Not a moment too soon, not a moment too late. In his time, as he saw fit, which was right, he dealt with it. What was this cry from Sodom? Gil said it could have been the cry of Lot. Crying out because of this wicked world around him. I'm going to set us up and knock us down this morning. Okay? So you just, you just hold on to the ride and let's see what happens. Why would Lot not leave? Is Sodom and Gomorrah a wicked place? Did he have to do business with wicked people? Was he all around it? Why didn't he just leave? Why didn't he pack up and go? Why didn't he lead his children and his household and say, now come on, now we're going to serve God. We're not going to stay here. You ever thought that? I have. Why didn't he just do that? Easy to say, isn't it? Where do you live? Where do I live? This whole world, Sodom and Gomorrah. If if I moved to to Mars to colonize it, I'd pollute Mars. (laughs) That's what this world is. There was a crying going out. It could have been from Lot. But it was from them too. I thought of this. Turn over to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, verse 9. Cain had killed Abel because of the gospel, because of him. There was a division in the house of Cain and Abel because of Christ, how God saved sinners. And Cain killed his brother. And the Lord said unto Cain, Genesis 4 verse 9, The Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Better be careful of talking back to the Lord. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. This sin that was committed, it cried unto the Lord. Does his people cry to him? His children cry to him. We petition him, but sin cries to him. That's not a pleasant cry, is it? That's a painful cry. Painful cry. Let's turn over to Ezekiel 16. What was this cry? The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah that the Lord heard. We know that it was manifested. They had, they had sinned. They were unregenerate. And the Lord had left them to themselves. And this came out as homosexuality. That's what it came out as. It manif- manifested. It is wrong. That is wrong. I'm going to set you up and knock you down. Remember it. Before we go getting all hoity-toity. Hang on with me. Homosexuality is wrong. That needs to be said. It needs to be taught. I looked somebody in the eye one time and I told them that abortion is wrong. And it was the last time I ever preached to them. Maybe it be the last time somebody hears me and last time the gospel ever goes into their ears. I don't know. But it's wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. The Lord says so. It's an abomination to Him. And someone needs to tell people that. It's so. I'm not a homophobic. I'm not gay bashing. I'm not looking down my big old religious nose and at somebody else, it's a sin against God and it will not go unpunished. People need to hear that. When, it, when the basic truth, when just, just the unknowingly ignorant people, but they have God's Word, when that's not proclaimed, and especially when the Gospel's not proclaimed from a pulpit or in someone's home, this is what happened. When home isn't like faithful Abraham that commanded his children in his household, so this is what God says. Now, if you don't like it, don't listen to it no more and pack up and go. But in, in this house, we're going to do what he says. And here's what he says. 
This is what he says. Things grow out of control when it happens. Read Romans 1. The Lord took his hand off of them. One nation under God. Uh, look at our nation. This is urgent, isn't it? What's the root cause of that? That's wrong. God says so. And I may get my brains bashed in in this generation from saying that. And that, so be it. Uh, it's wrong. What's the root cause? Oh, we're going to hit where we live now. What's the root cause of that sin? Is it different in something else? Is it different in your sin? It's so easy for us to throw the look at look at other people underneath the law and and, and judge people by the law instead of judging ourselves by the law. It's so easy to look at and someone else and judge them by the Word of God instead of judging ourselves by the Word of God. And because someone else struggles with the sin that we don't have the struggles with, we can say, oh, I can't believe they do such a thing. How could Lot live down there? <laughs> I ain't got no problem leaving there. Pack up. It's time to move. I moved a whole bunch. One more time ain't going to hurt me. It's easy for me to say that. But then if someone's going through the same sin, same struggles we have with ourselves, if somebody's an alcoholic, I can say, oh, buddy, I keep praying. <laughs> Lean on the Lord. That's easy, isn't it? But if it's a sin that we don't currently struggle with, currently, because our Bathsheba hasn't showed up yet, Oh, it's so easy for us to, to look. But what's the root cause of that? What's the root cause of alcoholism? What's the root cause of, of people not disciplining our children? What's the root cause of homosexuality? What's the root cause of pedophilia? Of all these things. What's the root cause? Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. <clears throat> Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride. Pride. Lord hates six things, yea, seven. And the very first one's pride. Now, how could pride be the source of that? That's what it is. That's what it is. It's plainly on display. I was hoping to preach this last month. It's plainly on display for a whole month on billboards. We, we pass them the whole way from rescue back down here. It's pride month. We're proud. You ain't lying. They're telling more truth than the person that's looking down their nose at them. The Lord said he... <clears throat> He saith unto them, Out of thy own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Judah said, Lord, is it I? He said, You said it. So says you. You said it. We're proud. You said it. You ain't lying. Behold, this is the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. They was lazy, they full of bread had plenty of means, but they were proud and there's no gospel preached to the poor. Verse 50, Ezekiel 16, 50. And they were haughty. What's haughty? Proud. What's their sin? What's the root of all this? It begins with pride and it ends with pride. Is that plain? That's what the source of it is. And committed abominations before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. I saw that he dealt with it. Turn over just a couple of pages. Ezekiel 18, verse 20. Ezekiel 18, 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteous of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. What's that mean? One on one. One-on-one, one-on-one. You will stand before the Almighty God of heaven and earth, your Creator, and you will either stand alone, one-on-one, only in your merit, 
only in your decision, only in your job well done, and perish. Or you'll stand in Christ, who's already bore our sin and our shame and our guilt. And we'll stand there in His merit on a life I did not live. We'll stand there in His decision making on a willfulness that I didn't have. We'll stand there in His job well done in a death that I didn't die. That's called substitution. He's already stood there for us at Calvary and in that tomb or we're going to stand there in front of Him. People need to know that. And they need to know that what they're think, what, what, what's going on in this world is not just a preference. It's sin. It's wrong. That needs to be told plainly. This earth was flooded once because of sin. Everybody died but those in the ark. Once because of sin. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed with hellfire and brimstone from heaven once because of sin. But for you who believe, Christ died once because of sin. To put it away. Because of the sins of those He was made one with. It says in Hebrews 10, For by the offering of one hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. It's put away. How are folks going to know that? How can we tell folks? How are they going to know of God's holiness, of mankind's proud look? All we got is pride. We want to be seen of men. We want our faces out there. And I want everybody looking at me. And you want everybody looking at you. I know. I think. I do. How are they going to know about that? Somebody's going to have to tell them it. How are they going to know about the Lord of salvation? Save us from ourselves. God's going to have to tell us. Turn over to Luke 10. He's going to send a preacher, isn't he? Somebody's going to have to tell you. You don't know what you don't know. Well, we don't want to hear it either, do we? I know. I know. I know. What? No, you don't. <laughs> Somebody's got to tell you. Luke 10. Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before His face into every city and place, whether He Himself would come. Therefore He said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, don't bring your pocketbook. You don't need your wallet. Nor script. Or shoes, and salute no man by the way. You make haste. And into whatsoever house you enter, say first, Peace be to this house. That's how Paul started his letters, wasn't it? Peace be unto you, from the God our Father's Lord Jesus Christ. Not just saying peace. <laughs> peace be unto you. And he tells them who peace is. And of the Son of peace there, and if the Son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. And if not, it, shall turn you away. The wrath is going to turn you away. That's just some hippie coming out here talking about peace. Get him out of here. <laughs> Somebody's coming out here talking about the, about the Lord and, and judgment and, and the sin and holy God. No. No. I'm busy. i got something else to do. And those ones that receive you, verse 7, and in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Don't you feel bad about eating that? They give you something to eat, you just go ahead and eat it. Go not from house to house. Don't get full here and so I'm going to have dessert over there and I'm going to go over here and eat and get me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, no, no. You don't take advantage. You take what's 
what you're worthy of you hire, but you don't take advantage. Verse 8, and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. And heal the sick that are there. How are you going to heal the sick? Saying unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. You tell them about their great position. Go preach the gospel. That's what it is. Go into these cities, preach the gospel. Are you sick? Are you lame? You halt? You blind? Are you deaf? Are you dead? He's the great physician. Heal him. <laughs> Heal the sick. Say unto him, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Is that good news? I've offended God and He's turned His back on me. Well, Christ did something. He interceded for His people. The kingdom of God's come to you. You can't go to it. It's come to you. That's good news. That's good news. Verse 10, But in whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not. What's that mean? They won't hear your words. They won't give you no food. They won't give you nothing. <laughs> Beat it. Go your, way, go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, we ain't just going to leave, but you understand something. Be ye sure of this. That the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Ooh, is that two-edged sword? You've already come in the presence of him, and you're going to meet him again. The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. When the lights go out on the road to hell. Everybody likes that old Bible thumping, don't they? Let's turn them lights off real quick. When somebody, if I go tell somebody what you're doing is wrong, you sinned against God, bow to Him. I said, leave me alone. The kingdom of God's come nigh unto you. I can wipe my feet off. Verse 12. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than for that city. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We've been said it. Boy, it's easy for me. To, there's just things I don't tolerate in this world. It's just, I can't, I can't bear it. It's wrong. I don't want nothing to do with it. Oh, what, how much easier it's going to be in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for those that have the gospel brought to them and they don't care. Those that have the gospel to them and they won't receive the word. Those that have the gospel to them and they won't even give them a drink of water. They won't feed them. Get out of my house. Get out of my city. Oh. It's not, not disagreeing. You think how many cities those men walked through, those 70s walked through, and they say, well, no, that's what they're saying, right? That's good. I can go sit over there. There's a difference between not, not fighting against and, and not disagreeing and receiving. And receiving. Oh, boy, there's love there. It ain't, this is the routine. This is the mechanical motion that we go through. This is what we do, and we do this, and we give you that, and we take this, and we, we show up, and we listen really good. No, there's love. That's between not disagreeing and going through the motions of playing and loving somebody. They loved them. Why? Because Christ was in them. God healed the sick. <laughs> That's what happened. Be more tolerable than Sodom. That's us. You know that? We're proud. We did not receive this in our old nature before God saved us. We might have been copacetic. It might have been okay. I didn't disagree with it. That's the lecture's fine. Yeah. I know five points of Calvinism. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. That's spitting in God's face. If you don't receive Him. And take him into your home, into your heart. Because he has to come in. <laughs> you don't knock on the door, he kicks that door down. And he shows up. And if he loves first, you're going to love. It's out of love. And he'll give you life for it. 
We made the truth of God a lie. We said, well, we're just, he ain't that just, he ain't that holy. I mean, he ain't, he ain't punished, punished us yet. If he was mad, he'd have done something. And man really ain't that bad. Mommy and daddy wasn't that bad. They was good people. Wasn't they, wasn't they sweet? They were sweet, sweet people that despised God. They hated God and they believed in their own works and they were going to stand in judgment on their own because they did something. That ain't so sweet. God doesn't say so, does he? Apart from your mother and father. Paul told us, and let's turn over. We're on our way to 1 Corinthians. We'll turn to Romans. Romans 1. I'm just heartbroken. I think of how many messages I've listened to and I didn't pay no attention to. How many times I had the gospel from my youth right in front of me and I didn't care. And I paid no mind to it. Lord has to bring us. He has to give life. And, and I won't ever, that guilt and shame won't ever leave me while I'm in this body of death. I'll know what I am. I know what I've done. I know what I run away from. And that keeps me calling to Him. That keeps, it's, a, it's life. Come into my home. I'm going to feed you, wash your feet, and uh, trim your toenails if I have to. I don't care. Come, Lord. Come. Whatever it takes. Here in Romans 1, verse 25. Speaking to those that are turned loose, the Lord took His hand off of Romans one twenty five. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. That's the problem. They worship the creature, not the Creator. They could be themselves. They could be proud in themselves. They could be proud in a man. They worship a man and not the God that man preaches. For this cause, because of that, for this cause, verse 26, God gave them up to vile affections. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one towards one another. That's all, what all it come about? Proud. Proud. Serving the creature more than the creator. Bound to man, not bound to God. Bound to self. Selfishness. That's pride, isn't it? I'm proud in me. What about me? Turn over First Corinthians, chapter six. First Corinthians six. Paul condemns all these things. Pride's the, the root. Well, I just got too much stuff to do. I can't come to the Lord, or or He's not. I'm too big of a sinner for Him to save me. That's that's self righteous pride. You think. You can better yourself to a point where He will save you. That's what that is. It's taking the Word of God and making it a lie. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 5. I speak to your shame. It is so that you are not, that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that should be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother. And that before unbelievers. <laughs> Y'all taking each other to court. You're suing people. You're suing your brethren. And unbelievers are watching this. Now therefore, it is utterly a fault among you because you go to law with one another. Why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Pride's a problem, isn't it? Nay, you do wrong and defraud and that your brethren... And that your brother. I hope I never have to sue nobody. I'll make people think I'm going to. <laughs> I've been threatened to be sued myself a couple of times. That ain't no fun. It ain't good. Don't do it. You're at fault. Don't do it. It's wrong. 
and that your brethren, and against your brethren, and against your own brethren, those that believe Christ. Verse 9, Know ye not that unrighteous, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Does that cover the basis? Did he get you on at least one of them? Maybe one of them. What's the source of all that? Pride? Verse 11. And such were some of you. Who we pray for. But, but, that's where the gospel begins. (laughs) Everything we are, all the sadness and, and sin and ruin that we are, but God. But you are washed, you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How are we washed? How are we sanctified? How are we justified? In the name, by being in the Lord Jesus. And all that work, all that work of salvation is completely performed and done by God. The Spirit of God comes to our hearts and does it. We're His workmanship. How does this come about? What happens when we sin and sin and sin and sin and sin and this old flesh we're still dwelling in? We need intercession, don't we? Back in our text here in Genesis 18. The Lord does not save someone without making them know they need to be saved. Not helped, we need saved. We don't need a crutch, we need new legs. I don't need a pacemaker, I need a new heart. He makes us know that. He makes us know that. And He intercedes for us still. Verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence, those three that came and visited Abraham, the Lord and two of His angels, and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. What a privilege. I need to remember that more. When we pray, whether it's in public or it's in private, you're standing before the Lord. You imagine if the heavens opened up and this whole world was shut up and you were pulled out and said, speak on behalf of these people. Is there something different when we stand in public and pray on behalf of believers? Is there something different whenever we pray in our homes? Is there something different when we're all by ourselves? We said, Lord, help me. Lord, be with my children. Lord, be with these people. Apply it to their hearts. I'm accountable for their souls, Lord. Be with them. Teach them something. Save them. Is there something different? Standing before the Lord. That's who we're standing before. That's who we're pleading to. Whenever I'm preaching, or you're teaching at your homes, or somebody's teaching online, or whatever, give your thoughts. You better remember who you're speaking on behalf of. I hope I don't forget that. Verse 23, And Abraham drew near. This is Christ. He's the one that can stand in the presence of the Father. He's the one that can draw near to the Father and make intercession for us, isn't it? But this is also the man. We learned something from him. Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous in the city. Wilt thou destroy and not, destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? Fifty people. You know what we call that in local assemblies of God's body on this earth? That's called a, a big church. <laughs> They got 50 people. Woo! Lord's worked mightily in that town, isn't it? Abraham said 50. 50. If there's one local assembly in that place, would you say the whole city of 250, 
thousand to two million. There's all kinds of estimates. Big town, big city. Would you save one if there's one, one local assembly? There? If there's 50 righteous people, would you save it? I pray I could have a heart of Abraham, the heart of Christ. I struggle with this greatly. I do not pray for my enemies as I ought. I do not pray for those that despitefully use me. The ones that either hate me or I hate them or whatever it is. If the Lord saved them, do you think the relationship would be different? No matter where I go, because I've lived it, uh, everywhere everywhere we've moved. uh, Government officials, tax collectors, regulators, i got to get permits for stuff. My old man fights those things, don't it? My old man doesn't pay attention to those that the Lord set to rule over me. For my good, in Afghanistan, they had a little tiny earthquake, killed 6,000 people. <laughs> I hate them hurricane straps we had to put in that house when we rebuilt it. And then the winds blew, and I said, I don't mind them hurricane straps bad. What if God saved that one that, that was so bad inspecting our home up there in New Jersey? Would our relationship be different? Am I praying for that person that God would save them? Or am I going to hurry up and get off my property? Would it be different? Would the relationship be different? Verse 25, Be it far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous and that the righteous should be with as the wicked, that it be far from thee. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? This isn't a guilt trip. He's not trying to coerce the Lord. It's a declaration of the heart that knows the judge of the earth shall do right. Abraham's crying out, Shall not the judge of the earth do right? What a comfort that is. Is that comforting to you? It's like a moan. Just, uh, shall not you right, Lord? Of course He will. If He's made us right, we shall be righteous forever, won't we? He shall do what's right. He's holy. He's just. He's pure. He's not like us. Verse 26, And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. I'll save that whole city from destruction because I have some people there. I won't burn that place to the ground. I won't bring the judgment they have coming immediately. We'll spare them over for a few more years because of those 50. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I've taken upon me to speak to the Lord, which am but dust and ashes, this friend of God, this one that walked with God. He'd come and visit him in the person right there. He he wasn't presumptuous. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the 50. Will thou destroy the city for the lack of five? And he said, the Lord responded, If I find there are forty and five, I will not destroy. Abraham the man said, Out of that fifty, if there's a local assembly, Lord, and there's five wolves among them, I, I don't know their heart. I couldn't know their heart, Lord. What if there's forty-five there? <laughs> would you spare the city for forty-five? That's what Job did. He raised his children up. He woke up one morning, he said he sent and sanctified them, rose up early, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of all of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. He made intercession for his children. He didn't, of course they sinned. They're just like him. They come out of his loins. They were sinners. But he don't know the heart. He don't know the heart. And Abraham didn't know the heart. And he said, Lord, if there's 50, we saved. I'll spare the city. But what? And now you think about your words, don't you? Uh, should I ask for longer? What about 45? 45. I don't know their hearts, Lord. Verse 29. He spake unto them yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be 40 found there. 
And the Lord said, I will not do it for the forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall thirty be found there. What if there's thirty? And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. If there's twenty people, twenty of your people. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. Ten. I have a couple million. Ten. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Now you think who's there? Who who's Abraham know in that city? Lot. His nephew. He called him his brother. They worshiped together. He half raised him. That's, a, that's his, his only kin. And his niece, his niece in law, Lot's wife, and his great nieces, and girls that he had. About 10 of them all together. Did he just come out and say, I pray for Lot? That's what I said. Lord, the Lot's there. Abraham prayed for that whole city. That city of wickedness. That city of sin. That city, if he'd gotten caught down there at 3 a.m., they'd have cut his throat. And he prayed for him. said, Lord, will you spare the city? Because you're right. He prayed, sparing that city for the sake of the 50, the 45, the 30, the 20, the 10, that there might be some more saints there that you haven't called out yet. Lord, let your gospel stand in this city another day. There wasn't 10. There wasn't ten. The Lord destroyed those cities, but he retrieved his own before he did. We'll look at this in two weeks. If Obi don't if Obi preaches on it next week, I'm gonna preach on it again a week after, so that'd be all right, it'll be different. Righteous Lot was not destroyed. Abraham, being a man, didn't even know what to pray for, did he? I don't know how to pray, Lord. I don't pray as all. I don't know what to ask. But the Lord will not forsake his own. He sent them angels in there, two of them. And he brought out Lot and his two daughters. Three walked out of there. People fight. Well, his wife came out. His wife turned around and turned salt too, didn't she? Eight were on the ark. One was Ham. Four walked out of Sodom. One turned and became salt. Lord said, there must be heresies among you. The Lord was just. He destroyed those cities, but he's the justifier. And he brought Lot out with them two daughters. It says in verse 33, And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. Now remember, Abraham didn't ask for Lot, did he? He just asked for ten. And the Lord left. He went to go destroy that city right then. He was going to carry out his will, his purpose. And Abraham went home. He didn't have a full answer. He didn't have a good answer on Lot and his family. But he had all the answer he needed. Grace had been given to Abraham to know that the judge of the earth shall do right. That he's holy. And he shall not lose one. He doesn't do what's right. What he does is right. But he has to speak it the way we understand. Anything he does is right. He's right. And that he had that comfort. And that grace that the Lord gave Abraham was sufficient for him to go home. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to go get something to eat and take a nap. <laughs> Did he go around down there and tell Lot? No. Didn't have to. Lord take care of it, won't he? The Lord will do right. He'll do right. Amen.
Father, we thank you for this hour. Lord, thank you for this scripture you've kept for us, this story of salvation and intercession. Put it in our hearts to plead for this city, Lord, that we dwell in, for this nation, for this continent, and for all mankind, Lord. We don't know the hearts of men. Oh, that you'd save your people, Lord. We know that the righteous won't be forsaken. Thank you for your word. We can turn to it and look and read it. Allow us to believe your promises. I'll be with you. You promised you will be and forgive what we are. Forgive our ignorance, our laziness, and our our pride. We know the trial will be painful, but take it from us. Allow us to see Christ, the one that's interceded for us. He's faithful. Be with us this hour, Lord. It's in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen. We begin at 10.30.